Yeah, it hit me this week coming off of the last couple of weeks of messages and kind of looking into some things. And I began to think, you know, what's one of the things that we, that we miss in life today? What's one of the areas that we kind of, in our society and the world we live in, that we begin to fall short? And as I begin to think about that, I, I begin to think, you know, the, one of the things that we miss is we've lost the art of speaking life into circumstances, we get caught up in the world around us, the, all the junk and all the things that we face. And, and I begin to think about that and, and just the way God kind of works in, in my own private reading time as I was walking through this last week, I kind of went through, was finishing up going through uh, Ecclesiastes. Can I just say this? That book's a little bit of a downer. It is. I mean, I know it's, it's, I know that, you know, it's, was written by Solomon. I know that there's a lot, and there's nuggets of great wisdom in there, but it's not like Proverbs. It's certainly not like Song of Solomon. I mean, but there's, but there's things in there, and, you, and as you look at that, you'll be reading, here was this man that God so blessed him with wisdom because that was his request. Uh, just give me the wisdom to rule these people right and to do what is right. And, and God blessed him, and he became one of the most prosperous, one of the most wise men that the world has ever known. And, and God did all these things. But by the time you get to Ecclesiastes, he's kind of somewhere along the line. I kind of get the feeling that he kind of took side off of what it was all really about and kind of got caught up in, in, in his own wisdom and kind of got caught up in, in some of the things that God had blessed him with. And when you read it, and even though you know it's supposed to be written by Solomon, it kind of sounds more like it was written by Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. (laughs) Right? There's nothing new under the sun. It's all meaningless. Right? (laughs) I practice that, yeah. But to me, it shows that no matter how far we go, no matter how much natural abilities we have, if we take our eyes off what truly brings life, all of a sudden, that's the place that we all end up. I've said this many times. You can go stand in the line at Walmart to buy your groceries, wherever you get it, and you look at the magazines that are all there, and all these people have all the stuff that everybody's chasing after, and yet you see how meaningless their lives are. <clears throat> so I begin to think about that. I thought about Proverbs, going back to one of Solomon's incredible moments, Proverbs 18, 21. And he says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. So I begin to think about that. I begin to think, you know what? <clears throat> we truly live in a world where death is spoken all around us. You know, last week we talked about how that the fall of man and, and Adam and Eve in, in the garden and how that Eve that, uh, that the serpent lied to Eve and said, you will not surely die. And, and, and she fell and all that happened. And, and they may not have died instantly, but you notice something? There was a change in atmosphere when the curse hit. And we live in a world that truly, if you analyze it, all it knows is speaking death. Everywhere we look is death. How many times lately, just like 
Just like last night, I woke up and read the headlines this morning. How many times do we see somebody else, they're so distraught, they're so that they think that somehow the answer is not only ending it for themselves, but ending it for many people around them. We live in a world that speaks death. Sin and the consequence, death, is considered normal life. Killing innocent life is the, in the womb is considered a right. Isn't it interesting? If we had another nation somewhere that was, that was sacrificing babies to the sun god, we would get on to them and say, that's horrible, how inhumane. But yet we want to turn around and say, but while it's still in the room, womb, it's a right. So death is all around. Death is spoken over marriages. Because you don't hear men. I tell you what, you have a marriage that has lasted a long time, and you share that in certain circles. They're like, really? How? <laughs> Death has spoken over marriages. Death has spoken over morality. Have a standard of morality, and people look at you like you're crazy. Death, death has spoken over purity. Death has spoken over living a life with purpose. And dare to speak a better way of life, and you're tore down. We want you back down here with us. Kind of reminds me of the old adage of the bucket of crabs. When, when one of them almost gets out, the other ones pull it back down. That's what we see going on in the world around us. But I'm telling you, there is a better way. And it's place of speaking gloom and doom over things around us in our lives and over those around us. Why not try speaking life? Why not try declaring some things that there is a better way? You know, if you look at it, some of the very first words we have written in Scripture, when we have record of God beginning to speak, is some version of God speaking the words, let there be life. Again and again, he spoke life into existence. Jesus, centuries later, when he came and walked this earth, he said this in John 10.10, the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So why are we speaking death over circumstances? It's the very reason that Jesus left heaven and invaded this earth of death so that we could have life. That's the whole purpose that he came. And Jesus wants to speak life in with us. I mean, Jesus gave life and hope to a person that thought death was on their their next step when they were hanging on the very cross right beside him. When even that person was speaking death, why are you talking about him that way? We're getting what we deserve. But he did have the right words when he said, Lord, remember me. And Jesus looked at him. I mean, think about this. Death, wrong, rough life was all he knew. And Jesus looked at him that moment and said, today you will be with me in paradise. See, just because things all around us may seem lost and hopeless does not mean that God is not at work and it does not mean that his words aren't true. We face things. It is time we quit speaking death and gloom and doom over all of our circumstances and all the things of life. It is time we get back to standing up a little bit, poking out our chest and saying, you know what, enough with this, I'm going to speak life. 
because God is good. God is my provider. God is a way maker. God is the one that speaks life into circumstances. God can bring my, my finances back to life. He can restore my marriage and begin to speak life over these things. I'm not trying to just be a cheerleader here this morning, although there's nothing wrong with that. And I'm not talking about some off-the-wall power of proclamation theology. But I'm here to tell you that don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. Don't buy into the gloom and doom. Thought about putting it this way. It ain't over till it's over, but with God, sometimes not even then. You know, we think sometimes things are over. There's no way. But how many times in Scripture do people, somebody stand and declare, oh, this is over, this is done. And God says, oh, wait a minute. You know, think about that. I mean, Mary and Martha, Jesus, if only you'd been there, but it's too late now. He said, hold on a minute. Oh, Lord, we know that one of these days that the trumpet's going to sound. We know that one of these days he's going to rise again. He's oh, no, I'm talking about now. Lazarus, come forth. It ain't over till it's over, and sometimes not even then if God's in it. So as I thought about that, I thought, you know, if ever there was a man that it seemed death and destruction was the new norm, next to perhaps Job, it might be the prophet Ezekiel. If you look at his history and look at the time that he was being the prophet and he was prophesying, it said this, you know, we, we see that the Babylonians had invaded Israel three times. In 607 B.C., they came in and they, they won a victory and they, they captured some of the best and the brightest and took it back to Babylon. And Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego were a part of that group and went back 10 years later. They came back again and Ezekiel was part of the group that they captured. 11 years following that, they came in and they invaded again. And this time they completely destroyed Jerusalem and Ezekiel's wife was killed. Here's a guy that was not having a good few decades. But if you look at it, I want us to take a few moments and explore probably Ezekiel's most famous vision that he was given. And I've never walked through this in quite the way we're going to look at it today. But we read this in Ezekiel 37, 1 and 2. It says, the hand of the Lord was upon me. And he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and sent me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones, and he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. In other words, these were very, very dead bones. And sometimes I think we can almost identify with that. Sometimes we may feel like we're trapped, trapped in this circumstance. You know, no doubt, I mean, Ezekiel was probably feeling some of these things. And so God gives him this vision. And he takes him and he sits down right in the middle of probably a little bit what looked kind of like his emotional state. No, I know that God used him. I know that, 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 that he wrote many words and, and, and things. But how many know that you can still be used of God and still kind of feel like you're a little down in the dumps? 
And so I just picture him sitting there in this horrible situation. And, and as I begin to think about think, you know, how many times when we face circumstances, do we kind of get where maybe he was at just a little bit? How many know that it's easy for us to just grovel in the graveyard? Our circumstances all around us don't look like it, so we just want to sit down, we want to plop somewhere and just say, you know what? It's dead. It's over. It's done. So that's kind of, you can imagine that God is showing showing him this picture of what the children of Israel were facing, that they'd had all this captivity and they haven't had any good news for decades and all the things they were facing. But you know what? Here's the good news. Even dry, dead bones apparently have potential. Let that sink in for a moment. Even if your circumstance is dry and dead, it still has potential because God gets the final word. Now, obviously, this was a reference to Israel. It's what they were facing. Is they'd been in captivity all this time, and, and God had, had done some things. It was showing him things. But you know what? It's not just Israel. But how many know that could just as easily be many times things we face today? Look at the state of our nation. Look at the state of people all around us. There are people everywhere that all they know is death spoken over them. All they know is horrible circumstances. And every time they think maybe they're about to climb out of that a little bit, some circumstance or some other person in their life yanks them right back down to where they were. And we see these things. This really, to me, is a similar, because, you know, yes, he was talking about the nation, but every one of those set of bones was an individual. Every one of them had their own story and their own circumstance of how they got there. And so it wasn't just a group, but it was a group of individuals. A symbolism of those whose hope had died those who apparently have been dead for a long time. But God led him around. I love what it says. That God's hand was upon him. How many know that sometimes, if we're not careful, we can think when we face something in life, when we're walking through a difficult time, that somehow God has removed his hand for us? Ezekiel was going through a difficult time. Ezekiel was, wasn't the most ideal circumstance, and yet all of the sudden, what do we see? It still says that God had his hand on him. It still says that God was leading him. And I love what he did as God begins to show him the midst of this hopeless situation. He sent him down right in the middle of it and said, Look. Now, I don't know about you, but that looks, that's the, I just, that just picture in my mind is like this hopeless situation because it doesn't talk about just a little pile of bones. This is a valley full of bones. Kind of reminds me of a, when I was a teenager, one of the opening scenes of one of the Terminator movies, you know? Stuff everywhere. It was hopeless. Many dead and hopeless, and at the very best, spiritually dry. And there's nothing but dust and all that all around it. Now, don't, no doubt, <clears throat> many of us here today understand these feelings. 
Maybe we see loved ones going through things and we wonder, how are they ever going to climb out of that again and again and again? It just seems like death and circumstances follow them and they're, and they're captives without much hope and, and suffering loss and, and they're supposed to, how are we supposed to believe? How are we supposed to help them out? And we know it. We face situations and circumstances. And probably there's probably some of us, we wouldn't like to admit it, but some of us maybe have had a little bit of Eeyore in us. It's all meaningless. But it's not. The enemy wants you to buy into that lie and accept the death that is spoken over you again and again and again. I just want to give up and sit among the bones. My marriage is dying. My health is decaying. My finances are on life support. My children are buying into the lies that lead to death. And maybe you or somebody you know have been taken captive by some kind of addiction. You know, we live in a world where people are struggling. The death is so being spoke over them. If they turn again and again to dead things, you see people that are addicted to pornography or addicted to to some kind of chemical that they think somehow those are the things that are going to lift them out of their circumstance, but that's not going to work. And yet they feel like every time they kind of rise up, something pulls them down. So are you depressed yet? I mean, if we stopped here, this is just a horrible situation. If we just left him there with the dead bones, there's no hope. It's hopeless. And we see it all the time today. We see circumstances that, you know, my goodness, you can't, you know, we're told today that there's no such thing as a functional family, that every family is dysfunctional. Now, I realize there's no such thing as a perfect family, but there's some pretty functional families out there. But there are ones that speak life over each other. There are ones that follow the right things. But praise God, the story doesn't stop here. Ezekiel 37 verse 3 says this, And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, Oh, Lord God, you know. What a great answer. As I said last week, when God asks us questions, those are powerful moments. Matter of fact, if you think about it, when God asks us questions, when God, when the Spirit speaks something to you in the form of a question, answer it. Because you know what? His questions are better than ours. How do we know we can get caught up in questioning him again and again and again and again? But when he asks a question, most of the time, it's not because he needs to know the answer. It's because he wants to jolt us back to reality. He wants us to stop and take a fresh look at our circumstance and what we're surrounded by. And when he asks those questions, it's good to answer them. You know, but this is this a little bit of a trick question. I mean, he takes him there. He shows him this circumstance. He shows him all these things. He shows him how horrible it is. And he says, okay, son of man, can these things live? Now, by any stretch of the imagination, by any measurement we could come up with, what would we say? No way. 
Matter of fact, these things are so dead and so dry, I don't even know if they could get any DNA out of them or try to clone something. We're talking dead. We're talking nothing. We're talking one step short of dust. They were in the process of breaking down. But as I said, those all, they may have been a pile, but it all represented individual lives. And we see people buying into the lie of death all over the place, all around us. And there's piles and piles and piles of them everywhere we turn. And we see those things. And it's so easy for us to to see the magnitude of it and kind of become a little numb to it. But we need to go back and remember that each and every one of those deaths, each and every one of those set of bones represents a life that was lived. There's a story to them. that somewhere along the way they bought into the idea that death was all there was. We have to be willing to speak life over those situations. I think there's so much more we can learn here. We don't need to answer for God. Because when we answer for God, we get it wrong every time. I love what he said, because he easily could have said, nope, no chance. But he was smart. Oh, God, only you know. That's where it starts. That's kind of that in-between ground from, from saying that this is hopeless, this is dead, there is no hope, to stepping right and kind of saying, Lord, you know. Lord, if you speak, this could be different. And, and that's kind of that step into the next thing because we need to acknowledge that he knows because we need to understand that the same God that created us from dust is more than capable of restoring to us everything that is lost. There's no way that he could have looked at that whole pile of bones and thought that there was any way it could ever be restored, that all the missing stuff could be put back, that they could be put back together, that that something could have happened there. See, it's God's job to know the ifs, the whens, and the hows to our hopeless circumstance. It's our job to trust Sometimes when you're looking at the pile of bones and the death all around, it is hard to trust. That's when you wait for his instructions. He waited for the Spirit to speak clear instructions. Because it ain't over till it's over, and with God, sometimes not even then. It's never too late. So next what we have here, we have some very, very clear instructions that I think are pretty powerful. Let's look at verse 4. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. You know, what a great thought. Prophesy over these Man, if we could just get that and get that back in and begin to speak life into something, I mean, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to proclaim the word of God over the dead situations in our life. We look at the word prophecy today, and we think of some, some kind of out there spooky mumbo jumbo thing that that somebody does now i'm telling you prophecy is real and people can speak and proclaim things that that they can speak about the future but so many times we get caught up in that and we forget that the real definition of prophecy is literally just proclaiming god's word 
We get a word from God and we can proclaim it. We speak it out. We prophesy over the situations. And many times, guess what? We need to get back, I believe, to prophesying over dead things in our lives. We need to get back to speaking life over circumstances. 1 Corinthians 14.5, Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth, and he said this, Now, I want, you to, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. How many know this ought to be the place that we begin to speak life to one another? But you know, let's be honest. Sometimes even the church, sometimes even Christians aren't the best at speaking life into somebody else's circumstance. Years ago, I know of a lady that was diagnosed with a horrible case of cancer. The prognosis was not good. We had one service where God miraculously healed her. And can you believe that somebody that was a part of the church had the guts after she gave her testimony to walk up to her and say, did God really heal you? I mean, come on. I mean, sometimes as Christians, we can be, we can be guilty of somebody, they, they, they get a little up there, something happens in their life, some miracle takes place, and they begin to get some momentum going, and some Christian comes along and says, oh, it's new and exciting now, but don't worry, it'll eventually kind of trickle down to the norm. What? See, there's, we should be speaking life to one another. We should be spurring one another on. When somebody's going through something, speak life into their situation. Show them what the Word of God says concerning their circumstance. Don't speak death. Speak life. Don't pull down. Lift up. There are things in life as human that that human solutions won't work. And what we truly need to do, I believe we need to get back to this idea of going to God, getting a word from God, and coming back and declaring that over our circumstance. It's easy to get a word from God. This book is full of them. Matter of fact, if you don't have a personal devotion time, you are missing out. No wonder you feel down. No wonder you feel like it's all meaningless. Man, I know in my life I can let that lapse and all of a sudden the stuff all around me begins to feel heavier and heavier. But when that is fresh in my life and I get a word from God either through here or just in time of connection with him and glorifying him and praying to him and he speaks something in my life. Many times he speaks to me through scripture. There are times I'm reading and it's almost like the Holy Spirit says this sentence is for you. And all of a sudden you look around and the stuff is still there. The death is still all around us. But your spirit is lifted up and you say, you know what? I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know when. But I do know this. It's going to turn around and it's going to be right because I know that greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. I know who has, has their life, my life in their hands. I know who speaks over me. I know who watches over me. And we got to get back to this. Get a word and begin to declare that over your circumstance. Human solutions don't work. 
Oh, you can find a pill to make you feel a little better for a season, but it's still there when the pill wears off. And it ain't over until God says it's over. Even though death may look certain and it may look final. <clears throat> you know, Nebuchadnezzar thought it was going to be over for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right? But God said it's not over. As a kid, that was one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I love the idea of three guys that say, you know what, you can do what you want, but I still ain't going to bow. Ain't going to happen. My God is able to rescue me, and even if he doesn't, these knees ain't touching the ground for you, buddy. There is something about when we stand in that, and they stood there, and, and, and you, know, we, you know the story, probably most of you, and, and they didn't bow, and Nebuchadnezzar gets mad, and he has them fire up the furnace so hot that even the soldier that threw them in dies from the heat, and they're down in there, and all of a sudden Nebuchadnezzar looks down and says, hey, how many people do we throw down in there? One, just three? Yeah. Well, why is there four in there, and the fourth one looks like the Son of God? You see, it looked like it was lost. It looked like death, but they held on to the word of God and they trusted God and God came through in that circumstance. Job's wife thought it was over and she encouraged her husband, just curse God and die. Boy, talk about speaking death. That's somebody close to you. But the Lord didn't say it was over and God restored him. Scripture says that he was given back twice the amount of everything that he lost. And the part that you don't hear very often is it goes on to say that God blessed him to live another 140 years. It's not over till it's over. And even then, not if God's involved necessarily. I don't know what the future holds. But I state with complete confidence that I have a personal relationship with the one that does. He gets the final word. And he promised me life and life more abundantly. He promised me that death does not have the final word in my case. He promised me that for me, death does not have a sting. He promised me that that one of these days, whether the trumpet sounds and I go with the first bus, so to speak, or, or well, actually, it's the reverse round. The, the ones that are dead are the ones that get to go first. But anyway, <laughs> the point being is this, is that he will, one of these days, that trumpet will sound, and we will be with him, and he promised me that. And so I, I you know, I put it this way, and please pardon the way I push, put it, but I'm so confident in Jesus' word. You know why? Because he proved it. He said himself, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it again. He proved himself to be right. There's no other way to put it but that he can't guess but. Do you have a problem with that word? That's the clean word, right? So. But he did. It's done. It's finished. And so I'm going to speak those life-giving words over my life and to those around me. And when others around say, well, it's all meaningless, I want to declare that's not what my God says. He's alive. 
He loves us. He cares for us. He, and if, if we begin to look and take his promises and take his words for what they are and begin to speak them over our circumstances, incredible things can happen. What if we took Psalms chapter 30, verse 4 through 6, a little more serious? And we let it get down in our hearts. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. See, just like the dry bones, when we speak, we begin to prophesy over our circumstance. Things can begin to come back together. What seems lifeless and hopeless and dead and lost with no chance all of a sudden can change. A marriage can come back together. I've seen it happen again and again. A family member can be brought back home. A church can become stronger and more unified than ever. Your bare bones finances can actually begin to grow some muscle. Dreams can be resurrected. Hope can be found again. But we have to keep fighting and keep praying and keep fasting and keep speaking life and hold on to those promises with everything we've got. And when you hear somebody else begin to speak death over a circumstance, then just begin to say, ho, ho, hold on. Let me tell you what the person that has the final word has to say. Because we do. We live in a circumstance where people, you can get a victory and somebody will try to tell you how that that isn't a victory. And if you tend to be that way, just begin to embed yourself into his word. Just begin to call out to him and spend time with him and he'll begin to show you that there is a better way, that we don't have to walk in that death. We don't have to embrace the things that the world embraces, that we can walk through a better way. We need to stop rehearsing the dead things in our lives and begin to speak life over them. Because he has those things for us. He is the way maker. He is our healer. He wants the very, very best for you. I can't tell you how often I hear, but you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. I don't have to know. If you ask Jesus in, he's going to forget it in a little bit, so there's no sense in me even knowing in the first place. See, he loves us that much. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back, and we're going to do a little bit different today. And I want our prayer team to make their way across the front. Because I don't know about you, I am sick and tired of seeing death spoken over so many circumstances. I'm sick and tired of the destruction all around. And I believe that God wants so much, I not believe, I know God wants so much better for us. So what I want to do today 
They're going to lead us in a song over things that God has spoken over us and things that he's done. I don't want it to just be a song. I want you to let those words get into your spirit. And I'm going to ask you to do something. I know that we, we live in a day and a time where, man, I remember growing up and, and man, somebody give an altar call and the altars just be flooded. But we kind of live in a day and time that people are like, oh, I'm not going to get up. And I understand the same spirit can reach back there just like he moves up front here, but also know that sometimes there's a power in the act of obedience. So if you're here today, especially if you feel like you feel the, the weight of all the stuff of the world, you feel like that death is being spoken over things, and you, and you get tired of seeing all these things around you, I want you to come down front and just begin to worship and glorify the king that paid for all your redemption, that made the way where there seems to be no way, the one that has the final word. <clears throat> begin to worship him, begin to give him glory. <clears throat> and then we're going to have a time of speaking life over the circumstances in our life. Maybe you say, well, I, man, I just, I don't know. Well, you know what? We have people here that know how to pray. We have people here that know how to help you speak life over your circumstance. You can go to one of them, and they can help you in that process. But if you're looking at your finances and it looks dead, speak life over it. If you're looking at some health prognosis, speak life into that circumstance. If you're looking through, at, you're saying, I'm walking through some marriage that's not where it needs to be, we'll begin to speak life over that. Because so many times we get to tearing each other down instead of speaking life into our partner. Oh, man, I could go down a whole train on that one. One of, the, one of the things we have between us, even if we're mad at the other one for some brief something or other, nobody else will ever hear a negative word come out of my mouth in relation to her. I'm not going to tear down. I'm going to speak life into that relationship. So they're going to get into this. I challenge you, just get up. Let's come down front. We purposely cut the other stuff in the short in the service short so we have plenty of time to spend time in the altar. Let's glorify his name. Let's speak life into our circumstance. Yes. Yes. He believes in you today. Amen. He does. You're the reason he gave his life. I've said this a hundred times. There are no second class citizens. You're not some exception to the rule. You're one of those individual bones that he was talking about. And he wants to restore your story. Amen. Let's speak life. I can't see Water's raging at my feet I can't feel 
the breath of the surrounding me I can hear the sound of nations rising up we will not be overtaken we will not be overcome I can walk darkness dark and painful road I can face every fear of the unknown I can hear our God's children singing loud we will not be overtaken we will not be overcome the same power that rose Jesus from the grave the same power that commands the dead to wait lives in us lives in us the same power that comes countless when he speaks the same Same power 
lead. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. We're going to let them do what they're doing. How many know that God can listen to multiple things at once? We're just going to let it go. But I want you, you know the circumstance that you're facing in your life. You know the thing that came up in your mind. I want you to begin to speak in your own words. I want you to begin to prophesy life to that thing in your own words. Begin to take some of the promises of God. Begin to speak it over your circumstance. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray over you. But I want you to speak life into those things yourself. Can we do that right now? Father, we come before you today. Lord, you see every circumstance. You see every person that is here. Lord, you know the things, Lord, that they've looked at. And Lord, all they see in their eyes of flesh is dead bones. But Lord, we know, Lord, that those bones can live. Lord, that you can bring muscle. You can bring tissue. You can bring organs. You can do things back to life. And Lord, whether it's a a physical issue, whether it's a spiritual issue, whatever the circumstance is, Lord, we speak life over every person here. Lord, we declare that the enemy is a liar and the things that have been said, Lord, we tear those down by the power of Jesus Christ. We speak your healing and your goodness and your provision. And Lord, we declare victory in the name of Jesus, that your power will rest upon each person that is here, that you're restored, that you will begin to bring breath and life and things back into that dead circumstances. Lord, that you will rescue, that you will restore, that you will resurrect, that you will do the work in their life by the blood, the power, and the authority in the name of Jesus because we believe your promises. We know that your promises are true. And Lord, we declare victory in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I want you to believe that God did the work. Now, I'm not talking about name it, claim it, or some goofy thing that's out there. I'm talking about just taking and trusting God at his word and begin to speak those things. And when the enemy tries to bring back doubt and tries to get you to focus back on the bones again, say, Lord, you know. You know. Let him begin to speak life into your circumstance. I believe we're going to hear some reports of God doing amazing things. He's going to restore things. He's going to raise things up. Next week, we're going to get into a little more detail on what happened as those bones begin to come back together and and some things begin begin to happen. So please be sure that you're here next week. God bless you. Thank you for being here with us today. We're going to let any prayer that's going on continue. We're going to have these guys just sing us out the door. Amen.